What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. I've been on a bit of a spiritual journey lately, uh, so I've been having some things going on uh, in my personal life, in my professional life, and all these things. And um, I spent three days at this Wilder Wellness Center. So my CEO, Nate Johnson, he put me in touch with this guy, Bill Wilder. You guys heard him on the last podcast. If this is the first one that you're listening to, go back and listen to the previous one. And um, I'm going to do a three-episode uh, series here about your spirituality um, yourself, your personal development, things like that. And we're going to talk about the mind, the body, and the heart. And today we're going to talk about the heart. So um, it's an amazing conversation that I had with Amanda Brutus Phillips. So she is um, one of the spiritual consultants that Bill has at his center, at the Wilder Wellness Center. And she's just an amazing individual. And I, we had a great conversation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this podcast. And um, and hopefully it challenges you. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but and outside of the house flipping and wholesaling. But if you don't get this right, um, that house of cards is going to fall over. So this is a great way to build your personal foundation um, for yourself, your family, your business, everybody that you come in contact with. So I think you'll be amazed by this conversation that I had with Amanda. She's incredible. And I got a ton out of it. I got pages and notes. So I know that you're going to enjoy it. Uh, so without further ado, here's Amanda uh, Brutus Phillips. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody. Uh, so you guys heard the podcast with Bill Wilder that I did just a couple days ago. And we're talking about this. Um, I kind of broke these into three different podcasts and my experience at the Wilder Wellness Center uh, there in North Carolina that I went to with my wife, Lucy, for three days. And we talked about like the mind, the heart, and the body. So I invited the three different people that I worked with there to come on the podcast, something different that we've done. If this is the first one that you're tuning into, um, it might be a little bit different. You're expecting to hear something about wholesaling or flipping houses, but I promise you to stay tuned to this one because what, what you don't realize is that like who you are, um, the way that you carry yourself, your personal development, all of that stuff is so important in business and in life that if you don't have this right, then your business is going to struggle. So this is something that I think towards the end of this year, this has been a tough year for a lot of you. You guys are kind of all over the place. Some of you had really great years. Some of you had really hard years. Uh, but 2020 is probably like nothing that I've experienced. So I think talking more about spirituality and some of the things that, that I experienced at this wellness center and the people, just the amazing people that touched my life and Lucy's life there, I just wanted to share them with you. So um, I'm really excited about today's show. I have uh, Amanda with me today and she is this, uh, I, I really can't even describe Amanda. So Nate Johnson, I talked about in the last podcast, he tried to tell me about Amanda. He's like, when she walks in the room, it's just like you can sense that somebody is there and this just this like glow about her. And I said, I was like, yeah, right. Like, what are you talking about? And um, like, honestly, I, I'm usually the person who just talks and talks and talks and just waits for my turn to talk. But it seemed like Amanda had this uh, presence that I just wanted to shut up and listen every time. So I'm really excited to talk to her today and share her with you because um, this should be the, hopefully the first podcast that I don't really talk very much. So um, <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the heart and really, we I don't know where we're going to go, um, but 
we'll just kind of see what comes today. And, uh, and I know that it's going to be, this is probably going to be one of the best podcasts that we put together. So Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you and talk to you today. Thank you so much, Bill. I'm so excited to be here with you and with your listeners. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. So um, I don't know where we should start. Maybe can we start with like a little bit of your story? You have a pretty powerful uh, story and background. Oh my gosh, where to start? I mean, the story, you know, I, I just turned 50 years old. I'm not ashamed to say that because age is just, it's its a number and I have no identification with that whatsoever. Um, so let me, let me back up from the beginning. So I immigrated to the United States from Guyana, South America, and my family, we moved to New York City in 1980. And about three months after um, we moved here, my father was murdered in Brooklyn, New York. And, and that was one of the first uh, experience of death and loss and, and, and trauma. Um, fast forward all these years, um, and I lost my mother five years ago um, due to diabetic complications. And uh, just three years ago, I lost my husband uh, suddenly, very unexpectedly. He was only 45. He was very young, very fit. Um, and we didn't see it coming. And it was probably the most traumatic experience I've gone through in my life. Um, because, you know, when you're texting with your husband on the phone, um, and he's at the airport with your daughters, and they're getting ready to come home um, from a, a vacation. And 20 minutes later, you're getting a different phone call. Um, it, it does something to the internal mechanism, your nervous system, and you go into shock and PTSD and, and all these things. Um, so I, I say all of that to sort of bring up um, what will eventually lead into sort of this work that I'm doing with grief, death, dying, and loss. Um, and then put that aside for just a little bit. Um, and so um, just to give little people background of what I do, um, a spiritual director, um, yoga teacher, massage therapist, um, and I can keep going on and on, an educator. And, and these are just, you know, they're labels, they're titles, they're, they're not who I am. They're, they're things that um, I do and I do um, uh, well. Um, but this grief experience that... Um, I have been through and has really shaped who I'm becoming. And that, and I say who I'm becoming because it's, 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 it's a constant evolution. It's not something that ever is, I've arrived here and this is me and that's it. And I stop. Um, it's constantly unfolding. Um, and what I've been doing these last three years um, is healing myself, right? Because it's it's been an intense process of, of healing the shock. Um, and it's actually only recently, a um, couple of weeks ago, I decided to take off to the beach for a couple of days. I, I kept feeling the pull and the call of the ocean to come and visit. Didn't quite know the reason why, but as I when I arrived at the beach, and I walked, it was nighttime, I started crying. And the words that came out of my mouth, I was just talking to just no one in particular, but it was the first time that I verbalized, I accept that you died. And I knew that mentally, right? That my husband had died, 
but I hadn't quite accepted the loss in my heart yet. And, and it stunned me, right? Because it's like, it was, his death was so surreal for me. Like it was out of a movie and, you know, and, and the whole, the way it all happened, I had just come back from Thailand from a course in, in death and dying, right? I'd gone to Thailand to take a course in death and dying. And I come back not even two days and my husband dies, right? So it was all like a, a huge uh, scripted movie and, you know, and I'm the main character in it. Um, but coming to this place of, wow, this acceptance and acceptance is usually the last part for us, right? We're, we're in denial, um, you know, we're angry, um, you know, all of the, 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 the steps of um, the, the grieving process. Um, and acceptance has to come into, it comes into us in different ways, right? And so there might be mental acceptance, there might be spiritual acceptance, there might be um, uh, emotional acceptance. Um, and yeah, and I just came into that space in my heart where I said, okay, honey, I accept that your physical presence is no longer here. He's still around, right? Because energy cannot be destroyed and we're all energetic beings. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been a wild ride. <laughs> That's what I can say. And I laugh because um we it's it's bittersweet. Um, but also I, I can come to this place now where um there's also joy. Right. And I know a lot of people are probably listening to that. So how do you find joy and loss and death and grief? Um, and one of the things that I've learned through this whole process of giving myself to the process is that it's not grief or it's grief and right. It's 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 everything belongs. So I can I can be in grief, but I can also be in joy at the same time. Um, and I think we we limit ourselves so much in thinking, especially emotionally, we see things in such in black and white ways. And, and this is the dualistic mind, right? Of right, wrong, good, bad. Um, but it's not, it's, it's everything belongs in that space. So in one moment I could be teary eyed, I could be bawling and screaming um, in my suffering, in my grief. And then in the next moment, I could be watching something on TV that, and I crack out laughing. And in that moment, I realize, wow, I'm laughing, right? And it's like a huge aha moment um, that comes to you and you recognize that I'm going to be okay. It might take a while, but I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'm taking some notes here. I love that. Um, not grief or it's grief and because, you know, a lot of times we feel like we can only sit in one emotion. You know, it's like, I'm going to have to go through this and this is just a hard time and I can't have fun or I can't enjoy anything. And I can't, I'm, this is like, we define ourselves as this one thing and not, you know, being open to multiple emotions. And like this morning, I wasn't having a great morning, but, uh, I woke up early, like five 30 and I have all these thank you notes to write. And for some of the people that spoke at Flip Hacking Live and things like that. So if you're listening to this, I'm probably giving away the secret. You might be getting something in the mail. But um, I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down and 
write these this morning instead of during my day when I had it blocked off for an hour because I just felt a little bit out of it. And I knew that if I, if I started writing that and, and feeling gratitude and, and happiness and go back to that, that time where they were speaking at our event and just how much I love them and things like that, that it would change the way that I showed up when my kids got up and Lucy got up and all that stuff. So I, I knew that I had to do something to get me into a little bit different state of mind and, um, and show some gratitude. So, and I heard once somebody say like, uh, there's a quote that's like, you can't be, um, depressed and show gratitude at the same time. So, uh, I was like clinged onto that and said, all right, well, let's, let's get some gratitude out there. And I know that's like one homework assignment that you gave us was in the morning, like state your intentions for the more, for the day. And then mm-hmm. in the evening come together and share of what you're grateful for. So that's Correct. one of the big kind of um, like homework assignments that we have. And we sit down at the table now together, Lucy, me and the boys uh, each night, just about each night and share what we're grateful for. And even our six-year-old Will has been sharing what he's grateful for. It was so cool to listen to that now. That's fantastic. And I'm so glad that you guys are following through on the homework. You get an A plus for that. Um, and I'm so happy that the kids are part of it too, because, you know, if we can start, you know, modeling for our children from a very young age, um, what it's like to be in a state of gratitude, irrespective of what you have going on around, because, you know, here's the thing, chaos is part of life, right? Change is part of life. Death is part of life. Suffering is part of life. Um, but the suffering can also be a choice, right? Um, but if we can welcome these things that are part of life and not try to put them off over here somewhere saying, okay, I don't want to see that. I'm going to turn my, my face away from it. I'm going to abandon that or try to bypass that. We don't ever develop the muscle to deal with these things when they come, these challenges when they come. Because we have this idea that my life is meant to be or supposed to be or should be, right? All of these operatives, it's supposed to be comfortable and I'm supposed to be happy all the time. Well, the truth of the matter, we were never promised any of those things, right? And, you know, if this is your first time hearing that, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but I'd like to deal in just facts and truths. Um, we're not promised... and happiness and and what is that right like if we can define what is happiness because it changes from moment to moment to moment right where it could be sunny in one moment and you're extremely happy and then the weather changes and it's cloudy and it's pouring and it's raining and that changes your disposition um so happiness is is one of these things that filters in and out but if we can go beyond that go beyond happiness go beyond you know, this sense of emotion, because emotions are emotions and our thoughts, they're, they're forms, right? And because it's a form, they're always going to change, they're going to come in and out. But what's beyond that, right? If I'm so much identifying with my mind and what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, what am I beyond those things? And so it's, it's asking ourselves to deepen our relationship, our intimacy level, with life in general. And the gratitude, practicing gratitude each and every day is such a fantastic way to keep us grounded and anchored 
yes, life may be chaotic and crazy, but can I bring myself into my center and be able to see what is still good? Because I think we, as human beings, we connect so much to the negative, right? It's, it's like it glimmers us, right? Like how there's, I think, uh, I used to watch this vampire show um, years and years ago and, um, and how they get people to come to them is like they do something with their eyes and they glimmer you, right? And so now you're not yourself anymore. And, and so the whole idea is to not be glimmered by all the things that glitter externally outside of you, all the things that are seeking to pull you from your center and distract you, because we have so many distractions. Um, and it really is up to us to come back. Like, what tools do we have to bring ourselves back to the center, not to be so full in those distractions? That's our responsibility. Um, and the gratitude at the end of the day helps to really bring us back home, right? And, and home is just back to yourself um, where you can come and, and say, you know, I'm grateful for this. This happened and um, this, was, this was awesome, right? I can give gratitude for that. I can give gratitude for my breath. This body is still functional. It may not be a perfect body, but it works. And I'm so grateful for it. My family, this roof over my head, the food that I have that that was uh, given to me. So there's so much abundance that's actually available and right in front of us. But because we are never satisfied as human beings, we miss that abundance that's right inside of us. And so the gratitude practice helps to sort of bring all of that back for us to see very fully. And, and it's just a matter of shifting or replacing rather the lens that we wear. And I think we talked a lot about that um, when I saw you and Lucy, it's, it's simply about, well, what lens are you wearing? What, what lenses are you seen out of? Because it's important to know what lenses that, that we wear. And sometimes they're smudged and they need to be cleaned or maybe need to be changed or maybe our prescriptions need to be changed. We've been wearing the same lenses for so long now that they simply don't work anymore. I'm going to ask you about compartmentalization. So you mentioned like we push this stuff out in a way, right? Because mm -hmm. um, a big part of my problem is I've always just kind of like pushed things down. I've uh, I'll take it and, and I'll just say, you know what, like flying for the military, I'm going to go put this in this box over here. I've got some pain, but I can't focus on this now because I've got to go fly this mission. And right. it's been my whole life of pushing things down. I think a lot of people that are listening probably um, compartmentalize that stuff. They put it in a box, they shove it down. So like if you, if they've been doing that for a long time, just like you said in the beginning, like what, how, how do you, how do you fix that? How do you, how, how do you stop from doing that? And what are some tips that you can give them to stop doing that? Yeah. You know, I think we all can identify with that. I, I've done that. I used to do that so much because, you know, the trauma for me in the life, you know, the, the, the loss of my, my dad at a, such a young age and, and, and even, you know, the other piece of, you know, I was molested as a child um, in, in my country. And, you know, part of why we compartmentalize things, and especially if your trauma happened at a very early age in childhood, it's a mode of protection because you can't, you know, handle 
all of the emotional uh, shock that's just happened. And so you compartmentalize things in order to survive, right? So that's a natural mechanism that happens um, in the human brain. But as you grow and you become adults, one of the things that I found when my husband died was all of these boxes that I had neatly stored somewhere inside of me that had my father's death written on it and all these other things, those boxes fell off the shelf and, and, and opened up. And so I found that all these things that I hadn't quite dealt with yet was now coming up for review. And so I found myself actually not grieving just the death of my husband, but also the death of my father 40 years ago, right? And that made my, my grieving process that much more intense. But the one simple tool that I would say that really helps us, and I know this is actually very difficult for so many people to do because we're such doers, and we feel that if we take time out to be still, there's a sense of guilt about that, about not doing anything. But the first thing that we really need to do is to become still, is to create that atmosphere around us where we can practice becoming aware. Because it's only in the stillness that we can listen. And the listening is so important where you can sit with yourself and you can begin to feel what's coming up inside of me, right? What sensations am I having in my body? Because the, 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 whatever it is someone is going through, it's not just psychological and emotional, but it's also physical. Like you would, you'll feel things in your body and you'll wonder, oh, I'm having a pain here, right? And you think something is wrong with you, but that's whatever energy is stuck in emotion, that's it, it coming through into your physical body, and so this idea that we can become still enough to become more aware so we can actually feel whatever that trauma, that emotion, that grief is, is the beginning part actually moving into a state of healing. Um, so I would say creating a stillness practice and it's just being with yourself, right? I, I think we have created a society where and I'm all about the tribe, right? Because we need each other and we need that community and we need connection. But we also need to have these moments where we are cultivating an intimate relationship with ourselves. And whatever you name you might wanna call God, the divine, the universe, also cultivating that intimate relationship with that Godhead. And being able to courageously sit with yourself to listen, what am I feeling in this moment? You know, what's going on inside of me? And when you're able to come in and come home to yourself and say, hello self, how are you, right? And you, you leave all of these distractions over here alone for just a moment because you're giving all your attention there, but then what about the attention that's needed inside of you? Right? And so we're good at taking care of other people. We're good at solving other people's messes, right? But how are we, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, are we doing those very same, same thing for ourselves, right? So this, 
this sense of self-care and, and I'm not talking about self-care in terms of, yeah, I'm going to take an Epsom salt bath. I'm going to get a pedicure, ma- massage. All those things are great. And I do all of those things for myself because they feel good and I love it. But I'm talking about going a little bit deeper in your self-care where you get to come in communion with the most vulnerable aspects of yourself. Because I think people are so afraid to be vulnerable. And the truth of the matter is, is that we're so fragile. All of us as human beings, we're fragile, right? And we have this sense that I have to be strong all the time, or I'm going to put up this mask and wear this mask and have this front that this is who I am. We're fragile. And I'm not ashamed to admit that at any point in my life, how vulnerable I am. And yet it's that vulnerability that has given me strength. You know, people would see me sometimes and they would say after my husband died, how are you doing this? You're so strong. And I would say to them, if you could only see the inside, (laughs) right? You would know, you would see how messy it was in there. And, And I'm not afraid of the mess because the mess lets me know that I'm embracing my humanity. So um, so I would say uh, create time for you, um, find time in stillness, be in reflection, be in contemplation. It really doesn't require a lot. You can start off with something as simple as five minutes a day. Just practice just being, right? And it's so amazing that 2020, right? We were all so excited. Oh my God, a new decade and you know things are going to be awesome. Things are still awesome, right? And what 2020 is doing, it's it's shining a light. Like we're all having to wear these masks now. It's shining a, a light on the mask that we've always worn. And now everyone gets to see these masks that we've worn. And some people are very resistant to wearing masks because they're still in that mode of, I don't want to show my mask to anyone. I don't want to be vulnerable. And I get that, right? That's just where they are. But there's a deeper thing that's happening this year for us to see. And and if we can not drop into the fear so much, and yes, there are elements of fear because, you know, uh, we all want to be safe. We, We don't want to catch something that might potentially make us sick. But there's a bigger lesson that this virus is teaching us and this year is teaching us. And and for me, my word, as I look back on this year, as we we come to a close in a couple of weeks is presence. Can I be present with what is? Really quite simple, right? Or do I feel like I need to run away and resist what's happening? (laughs) Yeah. So again, it comes back to, what is my willingness to be uncomfortable in the midst of chaos? Yeah. One thing that you gave me while I was there in, in all of that, be still ask yourself how you're doing was allow yourself to hurt. And you yes. mentioned it there, but that was the biggest takeaway that I got because with all my compartmentalization, my push it, I'm pushing this down. I'm going to, once I, the pain comes in, I just, push it out and I'll deal with it later or never. Like my goal is never, right? And I'm just going (laughs) to, everything's sunny and happy and get out of here, pain and problems and issues. And, um, and was, you gave me permission to, to hurt and just say, this hurts. Like it hurts. I'm going to sit with this for a while. 
and uh, and just allow myself to be in pain and hurt. And that was as simple as it sounds, like really profound for me to hear because I never kind of got permission to do that before. And maybe it's from when I was a kid, it was like, you know, get up, brush it off. Like, don't cry. Like it, everything's fine, you know, uh, tough it out. And a big thing that I talked about with Bill a couple of days ago is I was just like muscling through life and just going and going and apartmentalize everything, push it out. Like, I'm not going to deal with this. And like you said, once something happens, then it's a lot harder to deal with when you're dealing with 20 or 30 years of that pain that you've been just mm -hmm. holding in and compartmentalizing and pushing away than just dealing with the one thing that's in front of you right now. And yeah. Hard. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's and, and thank you for um, bringing that up because I think it's so important for us to, to talk about, you know, we don't want to deal with the things that hurt or the things that we're afraid of because somehow we've gotten it in our minds that these things can crush us. <laughs> they can't unless we give it power to do so. Right. So nothing can actually diminish us. And, and this is, one of the 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 lies that I want is to really get very clear on nothing can hurt you unless you give it permission to hurt you. So no amount of, you know, betrayal or loss or any whatever it may be that you've gone through. None of that stuff is actually hurting you. It's your perception and your attachment to that thing or person that's creating the suffering. And so the way through it is actually to feel it. And so I always, you know, tell my clients, I want you to think about your emotions, your hurts, your wounds as your children, right? Would you abandon your children in their worst time of need? Or will you bring them close to you and say, oh, my dear, let me hold you. Let me comfort you. Tell me your story. Because all of these wounds are just asking for their stories to be heard, right? It's like the medicine, right? And, and, and this is what we used to do, you know, as, as a collective in the tribe, we would come around the fireplace and the stories would be heard, stories of pain, stories of joy, but it was the medicine and sharing the story of whatever that wound was that brought the healing and also that brought the community closer together. And so this idea that I need to abandon this aspect of myself because in essence really that's what we're doing we're abandoning some part of ourselves because we feel either i can't handle that and sometimes we can't and we need to respect what we can handle and can't but most of the time it's simply because we don't want to feel that but this human experience that we're having that we're moving through each and every moment says everything belongs. And so when we can bring ourselves into a state of oneness, not into a fractured state of, well, this is over here, that's over there. My anger is there. My joy is there. My betrayal is there, whatever it is, right? That's, we become very fragmented and not whole. But when we can invite those pieces to the banquet table where everyone has a seat, right? And you're the host and you get to say, all right, anger, tell me your story today. 
and anger gets an opportunity to say its story. All right, love, tell me your story today. And love gets an opportunity to say its story. And so every aspect of whatever it is that you're feeling, this hurt, this woundedness, has a place where it belongs. And, and, it, and it's in that storytelling. It's in this, this comforting and this compassionate nature that you're showing to this aspect of yourself that healing comes for us, comes up for us. Um, and again, none of us have been told to approach our wounds in this way, right? It didn't come, we didn't come with like a, a guidebook. <laughs> um, it would have been nice, right? <laughs> um, but we didn't come with, with a guidebook to, to tell us how to be. And then most of our parents did the best they could. So, you know, whatever they model for us is what we ended up doing for ourselves as well. And so, you know, we don't fault them and we don't blame them. But as we move into our own process and as we move into more mature beings, we come to this place where we ourselves begin to determine how do I actually want to live this life that I've been given? How do I want to spend my time? Because we have a very short window here in this life, right? You only get one chance in all of eternity to be Bill Allen. That's it. There's never, ever going to be another Bill Allen. You're it. Right? What are you going to do with your time? How are you going to choose to spend it? Not just with, your, with, with others, but how are you going to choose to show up for you? And I think we miss that. It's like we're so vested in relationships with other people. And we miss, we, we miss the mark and the relationship that we have with ourselves. This has to be the first intimate relationship next to God, but that's for me, right? That we develop. And so for me, I always tell my daughters, it's, it's, it's God and whatever name you want to give that. God, me, everyone else is beneath that. Because if I'm not right, and, and I say right, not in the terms of right or wrong and dualistic, but if I'm not practicing being love, if I'm not practicing being compassion and giving those things to myself, how can I give them to someone else? It's like the commandment, right? Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Well, if I don't love myself, how am I going to practice loving my neighbor? It can't happen, right? Because I don't know what that is. I don't know what that love is. What is that? And you're expecting me to give that to someone else? Okay. So that, that was a big takeaway for me uh, over those three days that I was there because um, it's always been very... I don't know, very taboo, maybe to say like, it's sounding really selfish, like I'm going to take care of myself or no, I, I come first, right? And I, I need to be cared for, or I need to feel that love. But as we were going through that, it was very interesting to see, especially with Lucy being there with me, mm -hmm. and me being vulnerable and opening up and saying like, I need this, I need this, like, this is what, like, to, to make me feel whole, like there are things that, that make me glow, right? Like the ocean, the water, the fishing, like things that I love to do that I don't do anymore. Right. And all the things that I've been like pushing away, holding back, uh, like a list of things that, that I'm not currently doing in my life that 
I want to do, but I'm sacrificing for our family or for her or for other people. And I've always felt really selfish by saying, I'm going to go away for a week and go to the beach to make sure that I can be the person that I need to be. And so like, how do, how do you deal with that? Like, how is that uh, okay? Because there's probably people listening that are like, what is she talking about? Like, she's ahead of her kids and her spouse. Like, no, they come first. Right. And we are why we all talk about our why so much. And our, why is our family and our kids? Like yeah. nobody stands up at the mastermind meeting and says, my why is me is myself, right. my, my mission, my purpose in life, who I want to be. And, and that I have just this one life. So I'm going to make sure that I'm fulfilled. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm laughing because, <laughs> uh, this is something that I actually practice. I, I used to practice all the time, even when, you know, uh, with my, with my husband, right. Because I realized that if I wasn't taking care of myself and that is physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that I'm not going to be good for him, nor my kids, nor, you know, with the work that I do with anyone else, right? I would just be going through the motions and showing up and, and, and not really being attentive to my own inner happenings, right? Um and yes, they've made it a thing where to gaze at, to, to take care of yourself is selfish. It's the most absurd thing that I've ever heard, right? Because when you travel in a plane, what do they tell you? Put your mask on first before you help somebody else, right? And it's the same thing in a relationship and in a family. If you're not right, your family is not right, right? Because the kids are going to pick up on it. Right. And, and kids, they see things, they feel things so very quickly. So you might say, oh, you know, they're not. Pick no, they're picking up on it. You better believe it because they're very porous and, and they observe, absorb uh, our energy and uh, so very quickly. Um, and so to to take care of yourself is to also be taking care of your family. Right. They're not mutually exclusive things you know um and so <laughs> my husband knew that I needed time for myself so at least once a year I would take off on like a spiritual pilgrimage trip like I would just go somewhere but he knew I needed that because that fed an integral part of me that needed to be fed and when I come back, yes, I know things would be would change. He's different. The girls are different because I might I might have been gone for two weeks. Sometimes it was three weeks. And I know some moms listen to this will be like, oh, my God, how can you leave home for so long? And I even had friends that's like your husband let you do that. And I'm like, wait a second. My husband let me do that. What is that? You know, it's um, almost as if, you know. I need to have approval before I can seek to nourish myself. And so there is a sense of, yes, there's a conversation about what I want to do, right? And that's just a mutual respectful thing. But that same me doing that was also available to him, right? He just chose not to do it because it wasn't his thing, right? He found 
playing soccer was his thing, right? So he was a soccer player. And so that was one of the things that he enjoyed doing and watching sports. But for me, it was travel and moving into learning about different cultures and experiencing myself in a, in a different way that gave me my nourishment. And so I'll give you a, a good example of this. Um, when was this? 2013. Um, like I knew, like in my meditation, I kept getting a sense that I'd be going to India and it was on my list of places to go to. I just didn't know when it would happen. And I'm massaging a client and he's like, hey, you know, this was in December of 2013. And he's like, you know, we're going to going to India. You should come. And I'm like, when are you going? He's like, oh, in about five weeks. And I'm like, but as soon as he said it, I knew this was my opportunity to go because we were going as a, it was a group trip. And, and I went home and I told my husband, I'm, I'm going to India. And he's like, when? I was like, oh, five weeks. He's like, what? <laughs> he's like, isn't that a bit, isn't that soon? I was like, no, it's perfect timing. <laughs> and didn't know how I was going to pay to go to India. I just trusted because I knew I had that sense and that feeling that this was going to be a trip that will be so good for me. And I would grow and learn and expand. And a way was presented, you know, um, and it happened. And I spent three weeks in India. And it was amazing. And I came back and I had so much to share. And and I and I deepened the relationship with myself and deepened the relationship with my spouse and my children. But what I was really also doing was modeling for my kids that just because I'm a mother and I'm a wife doesn't mean that my life gets to go on the wayside. And I think that's very important for, for especially young girls to see that both their parents are actually taking care of themselves because oftentimes women get lost and even men to some degree as well, we get lost in the relationship and in the family structure. And the moment, and I think I told you and Lucy this, the moment a husband and a wife take their eyes off of each other and make the family or the kids priority, you begin to phrase begin to happen you begin to move apart from each other and that closeness that you once had before the kids arrive you begin to lose that and so is it challenging when the kids come of course it is that means you have to work that much harder to see each other and to come together with each other in a way where you're still making each other priority when the focus shifts where you begin to make something else a priority, then the distance begins to grow, right? And I experienced that within my own marriage as well, right? I had two daughters and, you know, as a mom, it's like, oh, all my attention has to go to the kids now, right? Forget this, this man over here who came first, <laughs> but now I'm just, you know, I'm shifting my attention and it's hard because you have to you have to find a balancing act of how to juggle being a parent, but also giving time to the love of your life that you married for a reason, right? That you've chosen to want to spend the rest of your life with. And I think people have this erroneous uh, idea of, oh well, we're I'm married now, things are going to be great. Your the work actually begins when you get married. 
all the stuff before you were married, playtime. Playtime, right? So the true work actually begins once you start living together and the children arrives. Yeah. So you said something in there, like, uh, I, I can imagine people who are listening to this who haven't gone through three days with you guys like I did, right? They're yeah. like, what is she got? like? I, and now I, I'm going to go, I, I want to go on a trip. I want to go do, I want to go to India for a week and leave my family. Like, yeah. how does that, how does that conversation? Cause maybe they're probably like us where you're just so much like, it's almost like there's scorekeeping involved. Like I get this week off, mm. you get this week off and then you're doing this much. I'm doing this much. Like that was a big problem in, in our relationship for sure. So how do you start that conversation with your spouse and just say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Like, I really think that we need to take care of ourselves and then take care of each other and then take care of the kids. Like, is that something that you, when you and your husband, that he knew that from the very beginning or did that conversation have to happen at some point? Um, and then what would you recommend to somebody who's out there going, I would love to go to India for three weeks, but I don't even know how to tell my spouse any of this stuff. Yeah, you have to be kind of a badass, right? And <laughs> it's, it's so true because a lot of us are scared to ask for what we need. Right. And, and I'm a giver by nature. Right. And, and if I had to learn, um, albeit sometimes the, the, the hard way, um, how to balance given with receiving. Um, and so, yes, my husband knew, you know, um, that I needed time alone because uh, that's what helped me to to ground and re-anchor myself and my energies um, but really, I think what couples can do is, is sit and talk, you know, and, and really come up, have a conversation in which, you know, tell me what you need. Right. And, and each side gets an opportunity to listen. What do you need? And once you get into that conversation, it might come out, you know, I'd really like to take a week to myself. Can we make that happen? You know, and then you decide, you look at the calendar in the year, what week would you like to go away by yourself? But it also requires a, a confidence of the other partner, right? It really, and a trust, right? Because if those two elements are in there, then the first thing that'll start going around in the head is like, am I not pleasing her enough or him enough? Why does, why does he, she need to go away for weeks. So there might be some insecurities that might develop. And, and that is also, if that's the case, then what a beautiful opportunity to talk about, well, what's making you insecure, right? And so, you know, all of these pieces begin to come to the surface and you begin to deal with them and you begin, you begin to talk to them, but uh, talk about them. But I would say just sit and talk. Right. And, and I find that communications in relationships is something that isn't happening enough. We, we are just going on this assumption that my mate is fine, that my partner is fine. How do you know that? Have you asked? Have you sat and have you had a conversation with your partner and say, tell me how you're doing? How are we doing? what can we do differently to make this even better? Because in all honesty, you should not know your partner 100%. It should take you your whole 
lifetime to know who that individual is because they are never the same. Who your partner is when you met them and who they are now, two completely different individuals. And so what are we doing on our part to get to know who that person has become? And so it, it requires an interest on both sides to move into the center of that other person and to want to know who they are on a deeper level versus just looking at them from a superficial external space. You know, tell me, tell me how you're feeling. What do you want? What's, what, is it, what are some of your desires? You know, what's changed for you? What's changed for us? How can I, how can I help assist you in making you feel more whole? Because then it doesn't become just about us. It becomes about, I want to also open up space for you to feel like you matter. And then we're doing this reciprocally, right, for each other. I want my spouse to feel like he's in a, a space where he can be free to be himself. I'm not trying to control him. I'm not trying to change him to be something so I can be comfortable, right? Because this is what we do in relationships. I want to change you so you can be the ideal version of what I want so I can be happy and comfortable. It's not our job to change people. Yeah, I know, newsflash they have to want to go on that change journey on their own and it has to come from them, right? That transformation has to start with them. And then when we can give them the space to be, and then we can even allow ourselves to be in that uncomfortable space with them, we're giving ourselves an opportunity to grow and learn as well, right? If we could just stay, so I really commend you and Lucy for what you've done and choosing to go the uncomfortable route because most individuals be like, oh, nope, done. This isn't working. That's the easy path. The hard path is to choose to stay and say, let's tear this apart and see what the root cause is, right? So it's like you're becoming an archaeologist of your marriage. You're digging, <laughs> Right, I want to see what's what's beneath this. And there's fruit there. There is there's there's fruit that will be born when you choose to go in rather than step away from it so quickly. You know, unless there's some sort of physical, mental, emotional abuse that's going on, right? I don't ever condone that um, of why people stay together. Um but if it's just, you know, do the work, you know, don't be afraid of doing the work of, of going deep and, and being uncomfortable with yourself, right? Nobody likes change, um, but change equals growth, right? It, it helps us to evolve into the next best version of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, this stuff uh, transcends uh, relationships into business too. Uh, for, so there's, there's our uh, attachment for this podcast. So change, <laughs> changes growth, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So we say that so much, you know, there's one thing that you said in there that was what, like, probably my biggest takeaway in my relationship. And a lot of people out there and my, myself included is 
remembers what it's like when it was just us before kids, when we got married, who that person was, Mm -hmm. and then they change over time, right? We're constantly changing, like you mentioned, and we're constantly trying to figure out how, like, why, why can't, like, I, I fell in love with this person, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, like, why can't, how can I get them to be, to be that person again, to Mm -hmm. go back in time and, and be that person instead of constantly, like you just said, figuring out who that person is becoming, how, like chasing them, loving them and getting to know that person. You were like, you don't, you don't know your spouse at all. And the goal is to figure out how you know them at the end. Right. And so there was something that you said, and I, I, I'm hoping that you said it like this, but this is kind of the way that I took it was we wake up in the morning and like the past is dead. Like we become a new person each day. Mm-hmm. And so what, and then every day we're just changing and, and evolving and becoming something different. And we're so complex and unique individuals mm-hmm. and people that if I could spend my life every day chasing Lucy, not who she was, but who she's becoming each day. If I could spend the rest of my life chasing her every single day and getting to know that new person every day and waking up excited to get to know Uh this person, then how amazing would that be? Instead of constantly saying like, who is this person? I want the old person. (laughs) Like, you know, and so if we can get out of that, and I've actually shared that with a couple people that have called me since then, saw my story a little bit about it. And, and, like this is the thing that I come back to. Like I anchor on a lot if I'm having trouble one day or I'm, I'm struggling or uh, something's happening. It's like, you know what? Um, the out, like I'm this input output guy, right? So mm-hmm. I did this, this did it, this worked before, but it didn't work now. Or she's not as happy or she's like, and me trying to say, you know what? She's changing and I'm going to have to figure out this complex, beautiful, incredible being. And, and, it's a quest every day. And every day I can wake up and say, I got a new challenge today. Let me figure out how to chase this, this woman, how to love this woman, how to uh, learn more about this woman every day. And that's really exciting when you think about Uh that. And sometimes like I need to figure out how to like, look at that every single morning and think about that every single morning and make it part of my routine because I will wake up different every day. I will wake up excited to tackle that day to get to know this person. And even if the change isn't necessarily what I thought it would be, it's her being her, her being this individual person and me chasing her, which is really exciting. So. Yeah, I love It's, it's very exciting. It's like you're on a brand new adventure every day. And you're not waking up to the same person every day, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, you know, you kind of wake up and you see each other and, you know, maybe you smile and he's like, who are you today? Tell me your name, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And, and there's, there's a sense of joy about that because you're not, you're meeting each other in the present moment. You're not meeting each other yesterday, right? Because there is no more yesterday. The self that you were, whatever that was in the past is the past. And so when you wake up and you gaze at each other, know that it's a brand new you, right? And and you're applying that to your spouse or to your significant other, but you're also applying that to yourself. Oh, I'm not the same person I was yesterday. This is this is a different Bill Allen. Who who is he? I want to get to know him some more too, right? And so there's this sense of we're waking up with curiosity about what our significant others 
are today and, and who I am today and what is the world like today, I want to go and investigate that. I want to go and explore that. And so, you know, even at the center, right, one of the archetypes is the explorer, right? The honey badger. And, um, but to have this very childlike innocence, innocent quality about moving into each day with a deep sense of curiosity to explore what's around us, you know, even ourselves. I love that idea because that means that my life is never born anymore. Right. Um, and there, there are no expectations of, I want things to, to remain the same because it's the expectations that we have that sours it, right? It, it sours our relationships and it puts a heavy burden on our relationships, right? Um, and so if we can just move expectations off to the side and really see each other, you know, and then this is the piece that I think is so important. Each and every one of us just want to be seen. Right? We want to know that we matter, right? In every single moment, we want to know that we're heard. Whether we agree with what someone is saying or not is not the point. Is can we take our own egos out of the way? To, to be present. And so, you know, again, it comes back to this idea of, of showing up to the reality of what is right in front of you and making the best of it, you know, and, and given yourself and your spouse that spaciousness um, to be present with each other in that way and to look at them, not with old eyes, not with the eyes that you looked at them with yesterday, but with new eyes and say, who is this woman that I just woke up with? I want to get to know more about her. Or who is this man that just, I just woke up, I want to get to know. And you could have been together for 20 years, but you're still having this, this newness and this freshness. And I know this is, you know, people listen to this, they're like, she's a psycho, right? <laughs> How do you do that? And it's simply practice. It's, it's switching yourself from just being an ordinary sort of uh, human that looks at things in just a one-dimensional way to becoming a mystic in your life and looking at things in a multi-dimensional way because we're a multi-dimensional beings. And there's so much mystery that surrounds us. Um, and in relationship, mystery that surrounds the relationships in and of itself, that there should be more than enough in any given day for you to go and explore within yourself and within the other. Yeah. So I'm glad that, that you're, you're, you're finding that and that you are incorporating that um, in your own personal practice, because I think this is, this is very key for the relationship staying alive, you know? And, and, and you also do this for your business too, right? It's like, if you're only ever looking at your business one way and not looking at your business, you know, what is this business? What are we doing? How has it changed today than it was yesterday? Where can I take it, right? And so the business itself is ever evolving and ever becoming fresh, right? And it's moving with the times as well. And, you know, if your business just stays stuck, it's been the same way for the last 20 years. 
even if you think it's working, what can you change and implement so that it can move vibrationally into even higher states? Right? So maybe it's just one aspect that gets tweaked. Um, but there's always room in any relationship, business relationship, friend relationship, spousal relationships, relationships with your children, where you are showing up to see things and see that other in a brand new way in the present moment and, and, and not come with your old expectations of, of how that person or how that thing used to work. And which is what we do. We do a thing where we bring all of the past with us to the present moment. And when we do that again, we sour the present moment, right? Cause we're, we're bringing all of the things from before rather than giving ourselves an opportunity to explore what's what's new. Yeah. You said something in there that I struggle with a lot and it's the expectations. I think a lot of people that are listening are probably, yep, that's that's what does it. So the like uh, being in the moment without expectations has, been, has always been kind of my struggle. My, my mind's thinking about the future. I'm um, processing the past. I'm input, output, yeah. expectations on the return. So I think that's the challenge that I'll give to anybody else that's listening. Hopefully they caught that is if you really go into it with no expectations. And I feel like anytime that I'm struggling or I'm, I'm getting angry or frustrated or upset or, um, you know, struggling a bit, it's, it's because of that. It's because I have, I'm comparing what's happening to the expectations that I came into it with. And so just constantly reminding myself that is so important. Um, I wonder, maybe to close it out here, I know that we've gone a little bit long here, but there's, um, you said something about like a mom and a wife and, and being like those things, like, like identifying with those things. I think so many people out there identify with that stuff. And it could be a dad, it could be a husband, it could be a wife, it could be a mom. I know, and you mentioned women have a tougher time with it. And I would totally agree with that. Like we have a lot of uh, women that are business owners that run their, their companies and they, they have, they, they feel this pull to be the mom, the wife, the, the everything at home detaching to be the business owner. And I, I think some dads are like that. I know I struggle mm -hmm. with some of that. Like I'm, I'm a caregiver at home in the mornings and the evenings, uh, stuff like that. Uh, you know, and Lucy works and I work and stuff like that. So like, what is some advice that you give to get some time to yourself and do some of those things or how to detach from that, even from the start, because so many people probably don't even realize that they identify that way. And right. like the, the, the understanding and realization is probably the first step. And this might be the first time that they're starting to think about that a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, thank you for, for bringing that up because I think it's, it's so important um, that we, that parents practice, especially now during this pandemic. Right. I mean, I have to give parents like, all hail parents, <laughs> especially those of you that have young children. I don't know how you're doing it. You know, my daughters are 19 and 20 now, so I don't have, you know, the, 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 the stress of, you know, young ones running around and having to entertain them while I have to work. Um, but, you know, I would say start off taking small little baby steps. Identify within yourself what brings you joy, um, what inspires you. And then begin to make a list of those things and then see where in your schedule you can make room for those things. Because it comes back to being inspired 
And because our time is so short, we want to make sure that we're actually utilizing that time in ways that are nourishing us, right? So, you know, one of the the, the important things that I learned um, after my husband died was to learn how to say no, right? Because I was always a yes lady um, because I was a pleaser, right? I'm not ashamed to admit that. You know something about me. I used to be a giver and a pleaser all the time. But one of the things that I found very quickly in my grieving process was I was so exhausted that I could no longer say yes to everything. And that was huge for me. And so I started asking myself the question whenever I was asked to do something, I would, I would ask myself, does this inspire me? And if the answer was no, then I would politely decline. And what that did for me, it opened up space for me to truly do those things that I wanted to do that resonated very deeply with me. Um, and especially when you have you know, multiple children, your time is so precious, it's golden. And so you wanna make sure that the time that you're choosing to spend something for yourself is actually available, number one, and it's not being taken up by because you're doing X, Y, and Z out here for other people. Um, so identify what inspires you, what brings you joy. And if you're married, talk to your spouse and say, once a week, I need to do this for me. And then give your spouse the same respect and honor in having them do something that inspires them and brings them joy. Because we want both individuals in the relationship to have you know this this joy that they're bringing they're moving into separate ways that bring them joy but then they come together with that joy and and sharing that with the family um so i would say to identify what those things are talk about how you can create that joy how you can create it for yourself once a week twice a week whatever i would say definitely start off once a week right? Start to implement whatever it is. Maybe it's just locking yourself in your bedroom, right? Sitting on the chair, reading a romance novel, you know, or just sitting doing nothing, or you're watching the great, the, 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 the British bacon show, which is one of my loves, right? I love to just sit and watch that. Um, but whatever it is, is it something that nourishes you? Do that. Do what nourishes you, what, what makes you feel whole and complete and then you can come back to your family feeling rejuvenated you know maybe it's taking a, a bath and being in there you know whatever but the important thing is to identify what you need and then talk to your significant other about what you need have a conversation about it and then do it you know an hour out of your busy day an hour out of the week is not so much to ask for so that's that's where I would start with that because it is very important for um, these conversations to happen and more importantly for parents to take care of themselves and individuals to take care of themselves. And it doesn't have to involve a whole lot of money, right? It doesn't mean that you have to go and travel to India, right? And, and get away, you can get away right here, you know? Maybe you need to go, you know, check yourself into a hotel for a night. <laughs> have some you time, you know, whatever it is, be creative with it is what I would say. 
be creative and explore it. You might not know what it is, but spend some time exploring what brings me joy, what inspires me. And these are questions sometimes we don't even stop to ask ourselves. So we have no idea what brings us joy and what inspires us because we, we've lost that sense. And so this brings the conversation back internally uh, to us and we get an opportunity to, um, to move a little deeper into it. I love that. Does this inspire me? I wrote that down, highlighted it. Um, yeah. Start asking that. Um, for anybody out there, there's probably a percentage of things that you have to do that are not going to inspire you. So, but uh, I think there's probably the majority of stuff that mm-hmm. we do. If we live in that, in that world, we're going to get filled up and we're going to be happy and excited and, uh, and live in that joy. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I love it. I, I, some really actionable stuff here. I think for people that are listening, a little bit different than what we normally talk about, obviously. But I think, uh, obviously, if you hung uh, hung out with us this long and you're still here, <laughs> then, then you know um, there's something here for you, right? There's some uh, like like nourishing your heart is what the purpose of this was. Like yourself, your body, like all of these things. Like when I went there, I I try to be as open as possible, open-minded as possible to things that I like are way outside of my typical normal world. And I mentioned on the last uh, recording that we did, we got home and moved my office out of the house and built a meditation room and set it up. Mm. And it's been really, really great. I can go in there in the morning and, and just breathe and do some exercises. Um, I'm We'll talk with Molly Jane in a couple of days and we'll talk about yoga, which I'm trying to figure out how to actually move my body um, and stretch and that kind of things. But this has finally been a time in my life where my mind isn't racing like a million miles a minute and I can control it. And so I think for every entrepreneur out there that's listening to this, that's a challenge that we have is to constantly think about the future ideas, all these things and, and not being present and not being in the moment and not being um, there with our family and spending actual quality time. There was a quote that I heard the other day that was like, it's not the amount of time that you spend, but the quality of the time that you spend with That's those correct. people. And that was like so powerful for me. I highlighted it, wrote it down. And I've just been thinking about that because over the past few years, I've been spending a lot of time with my family, but I've been so preoccupied. I, my, my mind hasn't been there. And just like Amanda said, my kids know that like when they have to say daddy three times for me to actually snap out of whatever daydream I'm in, Will will look right. at me, my six-year-old and he'll just be like, what are you doing? Like, can you hear me? And then I'm like, oh, right. sorry, buddy. And now like leaving my phone downstairs, turning things off, doing that stuff and just being able to be present. And, and, uh, now the challenge that I have is not to have expectations. So, um, yeah. of, of the kids of my spouse, of all of the different things and just go in there with an open mind and realize that each one of them are individuals. And this is helping me not only in my relationship, which we talked about a lot today, but also with the kids, also with the business, also the way I interact with the staff and, and everybody really, I think Amanda has taught me to look at the world a little bit differently and look at people differently and be more open-minded and um, just understand that everybody's an individual and they, they should be exploring that they should be um, expressing themselves that way. And it's okay. And whether I like it or not, is not their problem. It's my problem. Mm-hmm. Really. <laughs> it's I'll keep working on it. It's, I'm a work in progress. Um, As of but, all of me. Yes. But I, Amanda, I appreciate you spending time with us. Is there anything like you want to leave everybody with before we kind of like sign off here? Anything that you wanted to mention or talk about? 
yeah. So, you know, being human is not the easiest thing, right? I mean, it's, it's filled with so many different experiences. <laughs> Sorry, you hear the dog barking. Um, and what I would say, wherever you are uh, in your life, um, in your human journey, is to be compassionate and gentle with yourself, right? Because we're, we're, we're all walking each other home, as Ram Das would say, and we're all trying, we're all doing the best that we can, right? And, and sometimes, you know, the, the best might be paltry, right? Based on, on where we are and the resources that we have. But if we can practice a compassionate heart, um, towards ourselves and towards other people because we don't know what's going on in other people's lives. And for us to have the audacity to even think that we know, you know, shame on us for that. Um, so compassion for me is, is huge. Um, it, it's, it's such a game changer when we can open ourselves up beyond our own lenses and, in, and invite um this gentleness into our heart space. Um, and so I, I would like to leave the viewers with your listeners with, with practice compassion. You wake up in the morning, your life is imperfect, compassion. You go through your day, something happens that is unexpected, compassion. And so, you know, your practice put, put in compassion, it's like, it's your armor. Right, and you wear it all day long because we know the unexpected is going to happen. It's going to happen, and so can we learn how to have compassion for ourselves, um, for this vulnerable heart that we wear around each and every day? And so, I'd, I'd like for our listeners to maybe practice that. Yeah, and I'm so grateful, that. Bill. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on here. This is, it was like my own, I have uh, pages of notes here. So this is great. Like my own. You're a good student. Call. <laughs> yeah. I'm very studious. I tell you, I wrote down this, like, here, here's what I'm, uh, I love leaving everybody with this. We are all doing the best we can. Like if you think about that, I, th I think about this all the time. It's like when, when I had so much stuff going on in my life with James and his surgeries and like, I would be down flying in Pensacola and nobody knows that I have a kid in the hospital with, that just had open heart surgery his fourth time, you know, and, and that person that cuts you off in, in the traffic is might be rushing somewhere because something horrible has happened to them, you know, or like most times. And I, I talk about this all the time is like, it, it's, it's, it, they have the problem. They're, they're, it's just, it's like they're, they're looking in the mirror, having something going on in their world and their issues yeah. and it's projecting onto you. So like having some, like entering into that conversation with compassion and just assuming the worst is happening in their life, you will show up so different uh -huh. for other people and yourself that like everybody just assumes that like their life is perfect. They're just a, you know, what hole, right. And it's like, that's not the case. It's just not, it's, 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 they have, something's going on to trigger that, that reaction response thing. Like this. So we're all doing the best that we can, especially this year. Like, uh, all of you guys out there, you're doing the best that you can in your business and your life and your relationship. Yes. And I love that compassion is so important. It's also so hard to give. Um, it's easy to sometimes to give other people. It's really hard to give to ourselves. That's and correct. That's struggle that I have big time. <laughs>
That's all right, because you're unfolding and, and you, you know, it's it's a process. So it is a process. And uh, and I always enjoy talking to you. We've only spent a few hours together those three days, and um uh, I need more. So this I'm glad that we got another hour here. And I'm glad I'm glad that we have this because now I can just listen to this recording over and over again. Anytime <laughs> there I need, you go. <laughs> uh, a dose of uh of reality in my life and uh some spirituality. So uh Amanda, thanks for hanging out with us. It's uh uh, this was fun. Thank you. I, I enjoyed every moment of it. Thank you for giving me a platform to to share. It's it's what uh, nourishes my heart to be able to just share everything that I've learned through my own personal experiences. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. it's been fun. I will. Uh, I don't know. Hang on. I want to keep talking. Yeah. To you. Sure. <laughs> All right, everybody. I stuck around for a few minutes with Amanda, and we just kind of talked. And uh, obviously. Um, we mentioned with my podcast with Bill, the Wilder Wellness Center. So you can go to their Facebook page, Wilder Wellness Center. We'll include the uh, link in the show notes and the email that we send out. If you're not on our email list, you can go to sevenfigureflipping.com and jump on it. And um, and you can get in touch with them and figure out if it's something that you want to do. I'll tell you, if you're a driven entrepreneur, you're, your mind's racing a million miles a minute, you're having some issues in your marriage or your family or, or at work or whatever, personally, um, there's a lot there for you. It's been an incredible journey of mine over the past uh, few weeks and those three days that I spent there. And I, it's changing a lot of what I do and, and how I show up and how I uh, act and treat other people, uh, including myself. So um, if you want to get in touch with Amanda, you can email her at amandab417 at gmail.com. We'll include her email in the show notes. But um, she said, go ahead, you can go ahead and I can give out her email address. So if anybody wants to shoot her an email, the links in the show notes and the email, stuff like that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. It was really amazing for me to talk with her. A couple of things I got out of it was, does this inspire me? Um, We we are all doing the best that we can and uh, not to compartmentalize stuff and really just be okay to hurt. And uh, when that that feeling comes, don't just push stuff down because it'll explode in the end. So lots of great tips and actually really actionable things uh, that she recommends. So hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, let us know, like, let us know, uh, put a screenshot of it, share it on uh, Facebook, Instagram, social media, wherever you guys hang out, uh, reply to the email, tell us what you thought about it. And, um, and if you like this, we can do some more of these things in the future. And, but, um, we got one more coming up the body and, uh, Molly Jane is amazing. I did some, uh, yoga with her, which is not my forte by the way. So that'll be a fun conversation, uh, on the next one. So see you guys on the next podcast. Bye. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.